Hello, dear listeners. I hope to find you well. Today we are live from Mustar FM Radio. I'm Francesca, but I'm not alone. She's with me. Hi, Olympia here. Today we discuss a challenging and delicate topic, the violation of human rights around the world. In same ways, there are dark times for human rights. It's serious that human rights violations occur repeatedly in 2020. We would like to talk to you about the situation in many parts of the world and about the political figures that are related to the violation of human rights, like Al-Sisi in Egypt, Bolsonaro in Brazil, Orban in Turkey, to let you know what's it happening not too far from us. I chose to talk about the violation of human rights because I think it's a topic that concerns us all and because I think that words can say good things but sometimes words can get into trouble like the human rights activist in Zimbabwe who was kidnapped for standing up to government corruption or another case about the journalist in China sentencing to 10 years in prison for sending an email and even all the thousands of men and women in Iran who were beaten, arrested and tortured just for demanding a fair election. Furthermore, Among the other things, I will focus on the situation in Egypt because the story of two young Italian guys are linked to the violation of human rights in Egypt, Giulio Regeni and Patrick Zaki. Giulio Regeni died in 2016 in Egypt and still today no one is responsible for his death. Instead, Patrick Zaki, more than a year after his arrest, is still in prison in Egypt. In this context, then I would like to reflect about the reaction of the other's country, Every country, including Italy, the European Union and the whole world seem to know nothing to intervene and remedy these violations. And you, Olympia, what do you think about this topic? <laughs> well, it is a very hard topic, I believe, because even we are in 2021, there are so many human violations in so many different countries. And I think that We are from Europe, and when we listen to the word human violations, we think of uh, countries like China or Iran or something, you know, far from us as a culture and as a country. But truth is that it happens in our countries as well, in the Eastern societies. So I think that everyone should educate themselves on what human rights are and what it means to violate the human rights. I agree with all you said. And now we can begin our discussion by asking ourselves, for example, is the violation of human rights legally required and punished by law? And if the answer is yes, how is it possible that the facts are so far from the law? Taking an example, the situation in Egypt, we can say that the truth is there for all to see. There are clearly visible discrepancies in the country. On paper, in fact, human rights in Egypt are guaranteed by the Egyptian constitution under the various articles of Chapter 3. The country is also part to numerous international human rights treaties, including the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, the International Covenant on Rights Economic, Social and Cultural, and the Convention Against Torture and Other Cruel, Inhuman and Degrading Treatment. However, in reality, the state of human rights in the country has been criticized both in the past and in the present, especially by foreign human rights organizations such as Amnesty International and Human Rights Watch, although the Egyptian government has often rejected such criticism. Let's give some precise data. According to human rights groups, there are approximately uh, 60,000 political prisoners in Egypt. The violent clashes which took part during the political rally in 2013 uh, caused by killing of 900 protesters. It was the event with the highest number of deaths in the modern history of Egypt. In 2020, Freedom House ranked Egypt as not free in its annual Freedom in World Report. Freedom House gave Egypt a political rights score of 740 and a civil liberties score 1460 with a total score of 21100. The same year, Reporters Without Borders ranked Egypt 166th in its annual press Freedom Index. Forced disappearances. 
extrajudicial killings, arbitrary deprivation of liberty, are the daily reality facing political opponents and human rights defenders in Egypt. To these violations are added those incurred, such as the lack of judicial independence, arbitrary and or prolonged custody practices, as well as the lack of guarantees of a fair trial, such as the right to obtain immediate access to a lawyer of the choice of the person that to communicate in full confidentially. In conclusion, we can say that although Egypt has ratified major international human rights conventions, the situation in this context is definitely worrying. Do you agree? I, I do agree, even though I don't have... I don't know, I don't have a knowledge about, you know, what exactly is happening. And I think that one big part of uh, human rights violations is that in some countries, even though, as you said, in Egypt, there are, on paper, there are some guaranteed rights, we don't really know what is happening. I think that there are some other countries, like China, for example, that they don't publish some things. So you may think that some rights are guaranteed, but in reality, you know, behind closed doors, we don't know what is happening. And if we don't know what is happening, we can't prevent the violation. For example, in these like two guys, as you said, even though we thought everybody thought that they have the, their rights there, other things happen. Like I think you said one of them died. Yes, right? so, yes. So this is something that and still nobody has hasn't been accused for his death. I mean, this is this is definitely violation and we should take into consideration how we can change this situation. So the context is definitely worrying. Correlated to this uh, cause, uh, we can ask another question ourselves. For example, Has the violation of human rights around the world always been like this or has it got worse dramatically in recent years? Let's go back to the situation in Egypt. According to the resolution of the 8th December 2020 of the European Union uh, Parliament, which we will talk about later, the presidential term of the current president of the Egyptian Republic, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, has caused an increase in human rights violation in Egypt. From this specific data, we can deduce a general consideration that it's always the political figures who decide the fate of the story. Abdel Fattah al-Sisi is a name now widely known in Europe and in the world. He is the sixth president of Egypt. He took office on June 8, 2014. He won the elections in May 2014. The Muslim Brotherhood, the party of former president Mohamed Morsi boycotted the vote, as did many liberal and secular activists denouncing fraud. Former head of the armed forces and defense minister, Al-Sisi took power as early as July 2013, dismissing Mohamed Morsi, who had been elected in the first free election after the 2011 revolution. After deposing Morsi, Marshal al-Sisi formed a transnational government which carried out a harsh crackdown on the Muslim Brotherhood and their supporters. The repression then extended to all criticisms of the regime, journalists and writers and dissidents. There are numerous disappearances of opponents as are reports of torture, arbitrary detention and excessive use of force as reported by several reports, including that of Amnesty International. Mass trial took place against opponents, often leading to death sentences or life imprisonment. I have a question for you um, regarding what you said. Do you believe that the presidents or the political figures are the ones who are really responsible? Or do you think that the citizens can also do something? I think the main responsible is of the government, mm -hmm. of the local government, but also of the international institutions such as, uh, I don't know, uh, in this case, uh, specific, the European Union mm -hmm. and uh, the OHN uh, worldwide, but also citizens, as they can, have to, to try to contrast the situation and to share their ideas and to put into practice the, their action. Mm -hmm. 
So do you believe that other countries, I mean, as you said, like the European Union or, you know, the political figures of other countries should intervene when something like that happens? Because, okay, there is, we have unions, we have other organizations like Amnesty International who fights for human rights. But do you think that it is easy to take action on a specific country because each country has its own government, its own laws, you know, it works in a different way. So do you think it is easy for these organizations to, you know, do something? No, it isn't easy. But um, there are always relationships between countries of various nature. Mm. And the most important relationship between Italy, for example, and Egypt is uh, of um, trade nature, commercial nature. So I think uh, there are many interests in common. Mm. And uh, for this reason, Italy, for me, have to increase control and uh, authority, right. respect this, this situation. Mm. Because for me, Italy has the, the force mm. to do this. Yeah, yeah, got it. It's, it's, it would be a nice idea, what you said, to have some, to have the common interests as a start for changing this situation because we all know that the governments, you know, care about the interests and the money and everything. So it would be a nice idea to to take these as, you know, a common ground and try to change some situation. So we talked about uh, the, the Egypt situation with the Italian guys. However, we know that there are many types of violations, of human rights violations, and we will briefly talk about some. Uh, I think you are familiar and we're all, all familiar in general about what, me, what we mean when we talk about human rights violations. Um, but there are two big categories. There is uh, the civil and political right violations, which are, I would say, the biggest ones and the ones that they don't happen as easily, like, for example, genocide or torture. So these are the ones that unfortunately still happen in our era, but historically it has it have happened before. And The ones that happen more easily, let's say, and happens in Western countries like ours are the economic, social and cultural right violations, which means, you know, a work violations, education, physical and mental health. And as an aspiring psychologist, I would like to just talk very, very briefly about the mental health violations, because I believe that... Many times we don't really keep in mind that despite the fact that we should have, you know, physical health and not torture people, for example, there are there is the mental health as well. So how easy it is for someone's mental health to be violated, even in a workplace, for example, when you are being bullied from someone on your uh, workplace. This is, for me at least, uh, the way I see it, it is a human right violation. So you don't, you are not left alone in your own mental peace to work And this causes problems. But I think that this is most of a Western side problem than an Eastern side because we see, and maybe you know it better than me, that the Eastern countries and the Western countries still have a big differences. In some Eastern countries, women, for example, don't even have the right to talk. So we cannot talk about like workplace violations. So do you do you have any experience uh, yourself by your rights being violated for example? Yes, I think uh, a problem that it um, everyone mm. is the um, climate change mm. because uh, the main focus is the transnational justice against future generation. Mm. For example, in this case uh, 
there is not a main cause of the phenomenon, but uh, we can do something to contrast this uh, this problem. But for example, for me, it's a violation of my right to have a um, peaceful future mm. <laughs> and green future. True, true, yes. This could also be a physical health violation because we see that more and more problems are being are happening in the world that makes our life uh, the the quality of our life being lowered. That's that's a nice point that you have here. About um physically violation, I will talk about the violation of human rights in Turkey. You know, we can start say that the situation is equally serious in Turkey, where respect of human rights is even one of the conditions required for the country's entry into the European Union. In this regard, the president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, after meeting in Ankara with the Turkish presidents, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, said she was deeply concerned that Turkey withdrew from the Istanbul Convention on tackling gender-based violation because it's about protecting women and children from violence and this is clearly the wrong the wrong signal right now in 2011 Turkey signed the Istanbul Convention an international agreement promoted by the Council of Europe on preventing and combating violence against women and domestic violence despite the fact that the many Turkish conservative politicians were opposite to the accession the fighting european laws as a threat to family values respect for fundamental rights and the rule of law are indeed fundamental for the european union this must be an integral part of the relationship between the european union and turkey turkey must respect the international rules and standards on human rights to which among other things the country is committed as a founding member of the council of europe at least on paper because yeah two discrepancies are considerable human rights are not negotiable for the european union they have absolutely priority in relationship between the european union and member states so what is happening in turkey the violation of human rights in turkey is very serious in this period and the situation has distant origins already in 2017 the un commission has drawn up a negative report on this issue in turkey The Amnesty International report denounces a serious violation of human rights throughout the Turkish territory. Thousands of people remain in pre-trial detention for a long time, often in the absence of substantial evidence demonstrating the presence of some crime recognized by international law. In Turkey, there are a lot of problems. The social, economical and cultural condition of women, for example, is greatly disturbed. The right to freedom of expression and peaceful assembly have been severely restricted. In the same way, people considered critical of the current government are treated, in particular journalists, political activists and human rights defenders. They have been detained or faced fabricated criminal charges. The authorities continued to arbitrarily ban demonstrations and to use excessive and unnecessary force to disperse peaceful demonstrations. In addition, there were reports of torture and forced disappearance. In this context, I would like to focus in particular on the figure of women in the Turkish world. The mass media close to the Turkish regime show the image of a happy and modern woman on equal terms with men in the various sector of life with civil rights and liberties in society. In fact, however, this is not the case. There is a huge gap between the sexes. Here too, we notice discrepancies between the law and the facts. Although the Turkish constitution contains within it an article for which the state undertakes to guarantee equality between the sexes, the gender differences continues to be present. For example, the majority of women in Turkey earn a lower salary than men. The women had limited opportunities to reach decision-making positions in addition to the fact that she bears the weight of the responsibilities of the home and family. Only at the beginning of the new century did women reach a certainly equality with men in matters of rights again on paper by acquiring the right to make decisions in the field of managing the home and children on an equal footing with the man, fair distribution of assets and in the event of divorce and hiring in the workplace without having to ask for for permission. 
Unfortunately, most of these rights have not been effectively reflected in reality. The average participation of the female workforce does not exceed 33%, while the male average reaches 71%. The ILO, the International Labour Organization, reveals that Turkey is the country that offers fewer guarantees of fairness, as an employed female mother has a salary of 30% lower than the remaining employed women, since motherhood involves the complete interruption from a career. Activist organizations committed to women's rights have reported that violence against women has increased exponentially in the years in which the Justice and Development Party has taken over. Again, political figures decide the sort of the history. 40% of Turkish women suffer physical and psychological violence, as you said. The situation has not improved in recent years, and especially during the lockdown period imposed by the government to deal with the coronavirus emergency. In addition, there are nearly 500 cases of feminicide per year, and these numbers are constantly increasing. Feminicides, and more generally the strong these parties existing in Turkish society on the basis of gender derive from a purely patriarchal and male-dominated culture that the same political class continues to support. What is lacking in Turkey, but also in other parts of the globe in the correct implementation of the laws. But law enforcement agencies and judges do not respond adequately to requests for help from women and men to receive reduced sentences because they stimulate a respectful behavior behavior before the court. In any case, the example provided by the country's most influential politicians confirms the idea that women are inferior to men, justifying their physical and psychological repression and condemning them to the role of mothers and housewives. President Recep Tawin Erdogan has repeatedly stated that Turkish women should have at least three children, while other politicians have repeatedly criticized those who have never had children and called mothers who also work during maternity live as half people. In addition, Erdogan said that gender equality is against human nature. It's oh an absurd God. for me situation <laughs> that clearly demonstrates the government position toward the perspective to of women and uh, minor. Uh, surely in this context, the European Union could, be, uh, could do more to makes its voice heard in Turkey, but even in this case, there are economic interests that go beyond ethical values. Yeah, it It's is, sad. It is very, I don't know, annoying thing to say something like that, that equality is against human nature since when? That is crazy. And I believe that the European Union's decision to not let Turkey get into the European Union is right because we should keep at least some level of, you know, uh, rights. You can't say that women sh are not equal with men. However, I wanted to ask you what happens in Italy because you said that in Turkey, women are getting paid less than men. And the thing with the maternity is a big issue for women. And I don't know about Italy. Does this happen there as well? I can tell you an um, episode that um, happened to my friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was doing an interview. Mm -hmm. And uh, the interviewer asked her if uh, in recent uh, time she would like to become mom. And it's absurd that <laughs> this question influences the total judice and influences the, de the decision to choose a, a person for working. Yes. <laughs> for example. It's yeah, it's the same in Greece. That's why I wanted to ask because especially that thing with motherhood, there are many workplaces and even I'm not going to go to uh, big companies, even like a small cafe or something, you go for an interview and they ask you if you would like, you know, to get married and have children in the future because they don't want to hire someone, you know, because they know that if 
a woman becomes a mom, she will have to have the maternity leave. She she gets some more money because of the motherhood. And they keep all that in mind. And it is crazy that in 2021, we, th- we discourage women to become mothers in order for them to just be working machines. And this doesn't happen with fathers. I mean, women don't make children on their own. <laughs> there is a father involved. There is a man involved. So it is it is so unfair to tell a woman that, you know, we are not going to hire you because you will become a mom. And also there are some I know cases that went to, uh, went to work and they had them sign papers that within the next, I don't know, five years, they won't get pregnant, which is crazy. If, if you are a young woman and you want to have children, but at the same time you want to work and have a career, it is so bad and sad that you have to choose one out of two. Why can't I just be a mom and a, you know, career woman at the same time? And there are many times that women are even better than men for at some, you know, positions. But still, the companies will pick the men because, I don't know, they won't have to have maternity leave or something. Yeah. I can do also another example currently example during um, covid emergency several moms asked me to work as babysitting mm. for them uh, it was difficult to manage the modern life with their children and the work at all and this is a problem that involve only the women mm. because uh, uh, they have to manage the um, yes you, yes we exactly. can say and uh, Yes, I think uh, worldwide the COVID emergency had uh, worsened the, um, the situation around the world, mm. in Italy, but everywhere, I think. Yes, definitely. And especially in some countries that they still have like weird ways to work, like Greece and Italy, it is even harder for some because, as you said, there are families that... The parents had to work, but the schools were closed. So they didn't know what to do with the children. And there are some lucky ones that have, for example, the grandparents that can babysit the kids. But there were others that came to a very, very difficult situation. And I have one more question for you. Do you think that the lockdown is a violation of human rights? Mm -hmm. It depends. Mm -hmm. I don't say yes or no. It depends. If we discuss about the liberty of everyone, so I say yes, because another power, the government or the European Union or the, um, the city, the, the representatives of political institution, decide for us to avoid to meet people or uh, go out, etc., etc. But uh, I think in this situation... In the specific situation, the um, sanitary emergency was is most important than uh, the liberty of everyone because the solution of this situation is collective, not individual. Mm. For example, even for the vaccine. Mm. If I think, my, in my opinion, I don't agree with the vaccine. For me, I don't get vaccined. But in order that I am part of a community. So I have to do this common jazz or uh, common action because I am part of something bigger than me. Yeah. So there are opposite interests mm. and it's difficult to balance them. True. I just can't because I have put a lot of thought in it. We are in this situation for more than a year now. And of course, it is a health crisis worldwide. It's not that it happened only in some countries. It happened all around the world. So I understand that countries had to take action in order for the mutual health, 
you know, not many people to die. But at the same time, I know that different countries took different measures, different things. Here in Hungary, there are different things that can be done compared to Greece, for example. But what I don't understand is that in Greece, for example, I had to go to work, but I could not meet my friends. And it was prohibited to have anyone at my house. And I find it So I find that as a total violation of my rights because they were trying to tell me what I'm going to do in my own house, in my own personal space. And when it becomes illegal to take people like my friends and my own house, this is like above my imagination and my limits. I feel so angry that... They tell me what I can and cannot do in my own house that at the end of the day, I don't know if it if it is for the best or for the worst. And besides everything, when you try to cut people out of, you know, everyone and say each one of you should stay in a room and not meet anyone, they have created a mental health crisis with all that. Uh, We know that the suicide rates have gone higher. The um, domestic violence has gone so much higher. And trying to not die from COVID, we will end up die from mental health issues. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because what's the point in, in staying inside and trying not to get a virus if you end up battling depression. And especially in young people like us who don't have other health problems, being, well, what I'm trying to say is that they say that you need 15, 14 days, two weeks to go through COVID, but having depression, it takes a lot longer. So... Having mental health issues, it takes years to, you know, go through them. So we should ask ourselves, not only us, but also the governments. So which is the best way to try to face this situation? Because there are countries like New Zealand, for example, that they they fought this virus. They took the right measures at the right time. And now they've been COVID free for so long. So what is the right way to fight it? In general, I believe that being in a lockdown for more than a year, and in this kind of lockdowns, it is definitely a human right violation. Mm-hmm. And like a fact, it is happening during a COVID emergency. And it is the Hardest use of force by authorities and uh, and policies. Yeah. Uh, in Turin, for example, my country, in my town, in Turin, in the neighborhood, several episodes of this nature happened. Yeah. And it's not fair. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In Athens, too, there was so much police brutality, even in families that went out for just a walk, you know, around. There was policemen bullying them and also in little kids like 13-year-olds that were beaten up from policemen. And this is the saddest part for me because police is supposed to protect civilians. But it turns out that they are the ones that are the bad guys and this is very sad for me i don't like i don't like the idea of not having someone to protect you i don't know what can happen with this mm-hmm. this is what happen it's happening in our everyday life we can say but um it's not the only bad situation i would like to talk about uh, another country, in specific violations of human rights in Brazil, 
President Jair Bolsonaro, in office since 2018, and other senior institutional officials continued their openly anti-human rights rhetoric through administrative and legislative measures adopted at the federal and state levels that threatened to negatively impact human rights in the country. In recent years, there has been an increase in the number of people killed at the hands of active duty policemen. By severe environment crises in the Amazon, which have had a disproportionate impact on native peoples and other traditional communities, various attempts to restrict the activities of civil society organizations, and by threats and murders that have its human rights defenders. Authorities failed to provide adequate response to a wide range of human rights violations. In Brazil, the biggest problem concerns the environmental crisis in Amazon and the right of native populations. The fires that are ravaging the Amazon are a symptom of a wider crisis caused by illegal deforestation and land acquisition practices. Evidence has emerged of the close link between fires and agro-industrial economic interests. There are always economic interests, especially for the purpose of converting the rainforest into pasture for cattle ranching, in some cases with collusion by the authorities. Brazilian legislation contains strict provisions on the protection of the territories of native population and natural reserves. However, President Bolsonaro has actively sought the weaken these protections. How did representatives of NGOs and local authorities react? They denounced that many of those who had started the fires had been encouraged by local farmers and politicians to occupy tracts of land within their native territories and environmental reserves. A very specific pattern emerged whereby the parcels of land in the forest were identified and acquired illegally, then cleaned up with the cutting of the trees and subsequently set on fire, often several times in the same area, before proceeding with the sowing of the grass, and finally with the introduction of livestock. The Bolsonaro administration has failed to forfeit its obligations to prevent deforestation and fires and to protect native populations and provide them with adequate remedies. On the contrary, the various measures adopted have replaced them further at risk. Native population and African-American communities have been increasingly at risk of having their lands illegally invaded by loggers and the other commercial interests. The government has reduced, and in some cases ceased, its vigilance over these isolated communities. Furthermore, there was no start of threats and attacks against community leaders and human rights defenders. Native peoples have repeatedly reported illegal and acquisition and logging to authorities, but their response was inadequate and illegal land acquisition and logging continued. The Brazilian government has not taken concrete steps to obtain justice and has, on the contrary, continued to criminalize human rights defenders, especially those engaged in environmental issues, in the defense of the land and the territory, creating a climate of fear and making Brazil an increasingly dangerous place for those who defend human rights. And also, in this case, the police and security forces have adopted a hardline rhetoric which has fueled increasing levels of violence against ordinary people and especially against human rights defenders. Another bad situation. Yeah, I think it's more or less, of course, even worse, but imagine somebody coming into your house and like just try to destroy everything. It is crazy that in some countries, the native population does not get the respect it needs. So, I mean, the native, like Brazilian people were there long before the rest. So just cutting down forests and destroying the place that people live is unheard. I can't imagine somebody coming into our cities, for example, and starting burning down houses. It's crazy. And as you said, everything is for profit. In Greece, every single summer, there are fires in the forests in order for them, you know, to become land for building, I don't know, 
houses or stores or everything. And the crazy thing is that we don't understand that if we burn down all the forests, we're going to die. It is so stupid for people to believe that they can live after that. We need oxygen and for, with you know, for oxygen, we need trees. If we cut down all the trees, where will we find the oxygen? It's like hanging yourself, you know, like committing suicide. And I don't know if you remember like some years ago with what happened with the Amazon, as you said, one third of the land was burned down and it it is the, the biggest land that provides us with oxygen. So are these people really that greedy or are they just stupid? I mean, they can't understand that they're going to die as well. I don't know. Some yeah. human rights violations are, are stupid. Yes. For the heart and for the humanity, for the society, is uh, a very dangerous situation. And I have an example, a similar example near Turin, about uh, the high-velocity train, mm-hmm. t because local government want to, to take the land of the local uh, person who live and uh, work with land. But uh, for many years, people are fighting against the local government because they want their property, their land. So I followed this uh, event and uh, there are many young people who try to face the situation and uh, every weekend they go in this place and uh, they occupy the land in order to learn the local government and representation of political institutions that they are there. Mm. They fight for someone in which they believe. And uh, it's beautiful that from below, young people share this even political ideas and they want to say their opinion and uh, do something concrete, act for something in that they believe. Yeah, yeah it's really nice that the young people fight for human rights and I believe that new generations are here and they get very educated on things because we live in times that crazy times, many changes happen. And it is very nice and positive to see that young people do care about what happens around them and they fight for other people as well. So we talked about several countries. I have some big cases of other countries as well. So something that is very close to me because I am uh, volunteering on substance abuse for a long time now. And I know that people don't really like drug users. So they try, they always try to just take them away, you know, from their cities, from their their areas. In Philippines, there is happening a war on drugs. The government tried to just, I don't know, like send away uh, drug users, but in a very wrong way that ended up with a death of approximately 12,000 people. And they were also some evidence, wrong evidence to justify some killings. So there were people being killed, people who were using drugs were killed for no particular reason without having, you know, done anything. And there were evidence being planned there in order to make them seem guilty. And these people, most of the people that were killed were poor people. So I have a question for you regarding this. Do you see and do you believe that minorities like poor people, drug users, sex workers are getting their rights more easily violated? 
Uh, yes, this happens everyday life. For example, also in prison, the prisoners were uh, eating and mistreat and uh, in uh, some case they were killing. And these are events that show the abuse of the people who control the the environment, prison or a psychiatric hospital mm. or other environment of this type. And um, they they think they can do this. Nobody see because uh, these places are uh, closer to the outside mm. and uh, you can, you, such as a journalist or lawyer or doctors or physicologists can't enter inside or however they can't but they can't see the important aspects of the events yes and sometimes people who try to talk about these violations like journalists for example they were even killed so what you said especially about the psychiatric uh, clinics but in prisons as well is that many times people are being treated like not even animals, like they are not people at all. And we should think of that as a big issue because even though someone has committed a crime and are in prison, that doesn't mean they don't have any right at all. And, of course, in psychiatric, even more in psychiatric clinics, that people who have mental health issues, that is something that they didn't choose to have. So nobody chose to have a mental health issue. They're being treated in a really bad way. Sometimes they were even beaten, tortured, not being given food. There are many cases around the world like that. So it is, it's crazy. And not even... Not even in Eastern societies, in Western societies, like in Europe or in the USA, uh, that I can't believe, I don't want to believe that these, pe- that these things happen still. And one more thing that I find so unheard for Western societies is the rights that the LGBTQI plus people have. In the USA, for example, but in other case, in other countries as well, mm-hmm. the LGBTQ people have to fight for their right on religion. Um, they want, for example, to get married. They want to have children, or they even want to just go to the church. And there are people that don't let them, make them feel not welcome there. So I don't know what happens in Italy. I know that in Greece, we try to kind of hide that uh, problem. We try to, you know, show that we are LGBTQ friendly and that we support these people. But in reality, the problem is very deep. And it is crazy to see this group of people as something different. (laughs) So... I have a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, in that way, how would you like to contribute to improve the situation and in your role, because you are a psychologist, mm-hmm. and uh, how, what uh, daily action would you like to do for changing? Human rights in general? Yes. Well, I've been volunteering since 2010 to Amnesty International, But besides that, I think that what I am doing until now, because I don't have my degree yet, so I can't just present myself as a psychologist yet. (laughs) I think that through the volunteering and through organizations taking part to NGOs and, you know, becoming part of a group of people, changes can happen. So if you put the voice, your voice together with other voices, you are a step closer to a change happening. And when I 
finally get my degree, uh, what I want to do is try and stand, you know, as an expert, as a, anyway, as a professional, because, well, professionals have, you know, more credibility, so it's not the same to talk as just a young person who wants changes and as a mental health professional. So I just want to continue taking part to many, as many organizations as I can and try to talk to as many influential people as I can in order for changes to happen. Wow, beautiful. For example, I, I study law and um, I think I am trying to make my contribute because um, I am part of a project, an Erasmus Plus project about climate change, as I said before, and um, transnational justice for future generation. And um, I am part of this group with other three young people, um, professor of University of Turin, and we have in front of us one year to discuss together and to involve local policymakers and uh, scientists of the, that are interested in climate change. And uh, next spring, we will go in Cyprus and we discuss with the um, European uh, institutions and we, we show, we talk with them and we talk about the results or the uh, policy recommendation we would like the European Union and government will uh, carry out for, uh, I don't know, for uh, improving the, um, the topic about uh, the climate change. So for me, I think uh, I am trying to, as I can, to, to take part of this uh, process. Mm, yeah, I think that this is the most important because our generation now is a generation that, you know, we're somewhere in the, in the middle. We're out of school, so we are adults and people take us more seriously than the kids. Uh, but at the same time, we are trying to create something. So we are, are like mid, late 20s. And it is for me, I am happy for my generation because I do see more and more people getting involved in the problems that we have as societies. So... This is, it's nice that we, we want to get involved in any kind of change. Following the case of Egypt, and so the, the recommendation that European Union did against Egypt, for me, at this point, I think it's necessary a joint company of the European Union as, the, as far as Europe concerned and the UN worldwide. It's not necessary for me to change the law because the law, there is, but it's necessary to, to be more strict in demanding respect and uh, for rules and uh, condemning those who don't uh, follow the law, but a uh, joint action between all the actors of the context, I say. <laughs> and I would like to invite people, government and uh, everyone to reflect about a question. How much are human rights worth and to what extent are these able to influence political and economic agreements? What is the most important of the two of these parts? Thanks for listening to us. We will see next Tuesday from 10 to 11. Bye from Francesca. Bye guys, see you next week. Bye bye.